2: Free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert.
3: What's the best case scenario for Robbie Ashford, Zach Calzada, and a handful of other Auburn Tigers. We tell you on today's Locked on Auburn. Well, Zach, I I actually just finished crushing some chicken
0: parm, and I am freaking ready to rock and roll. You are Locked on Auburn, your daily podcast on the Auburn Tigers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on
3: into Locked On Auburn, your daily Auburn Tigers podcast. I'm your host, Zach Blackerby, and thank you so much for making Locked On Auburn your first listen every single day. Coming up towards the end of today's show, we will recap Auburn baseball's game from last night. But first things first, we're joined for a little War Report Wednesday. M-m-m-m- Mike G is in the house, and Mike G is... I want to play a game. Let's play a game. All (laughs) right. Okay. Um, I've got six Auburn Tigers. We'll go three and three. Mm -hmm. Um, Three transfers. And then three homegrown guys. I want you to tell me what you think is kind of the best case scenario for these six players going into 2022. What's the best case scenario for their 2022 season? What's their upside? What's their ceiling? And let's be realistic. Don't say all SEC for all of them. While that is technically true, uh, I'm going to ask that you don't do that. Okay. First things first, we'll go with the two quarterback transfers. Let's start things off. Zach Calzada. Best case scenario for Zach Calzada in 2022 is what, Mike G?
4: Uh, Best case for Zach Calzada is top three quarterback in the SEC. Wow. I mean, top three quarterback in the sec. Okay. Well, and, yep. um, he showed flashes last year of, of brilliance. Uh, it was his first year starting. Um, but that jump that a quarterback makes between year one starting and year two starting, uh, can be really exponential. I think Zach Calzada has that type of, um, I think he has that type of, uh, potential and he may get a lot of opportunities to throw the ball in this offense, uh, you know, depending on how things go, uh, it, all eyes are going to be on Zach Calzada if if he starts for Auburn, twenty twenty two. So I think that top three is um, is is his ceiling for this season, and that's you know, and to be clear, that's about um, mid sixties completion percentage okay. with a with a low interception rate.
3: Right, mm-hmm. right, yeah. No, I, I think that would be huge. I think every Auburn fan. Listening would take that.
4: <laughs> w- <Yeah>. w- <laughs> what you, much better than we've been getting
3: uh, by a lot. What do you think? What do you think the biggest obstacle for him getting to that point in twenty twenty two is?
4: Uh, staying healthy, I think. So you think injured. if Zach
3: Calzada stays healthy, you know he's got a good chance to be a top three quarterback. Is that what you are saying? I do.
4: I do. Wow. I, do. Um, okay. I think he'll make. I think he has the, the capability to make the jump this year. Uh, depending on how things go. Now, listen, it's not even a lock that he's going to start. Right. I think that a lot of people are expecting that. But okay. you just never know with these these summer evaluations. Uh, and that, and this is assuming, too, that his health doesn't take a turn for the worse or so there are no freak accidents. Right. If he starts. I think top three, but uh, you know, health, man. Last year it was it was his knee, it was his shoulder. Uh, we talked. Yeah, to him yeah, about-
3: I, I, I know, I know, I, I know. The the caveat of staying healthy is important. I get that. Right. Let's just assume right. everybody stays healthy in this conversation.
4: Mm, okay, so how bad can it get? I don't think I don't think he'll do any worse than he did last season.
3: Okay. I don't think, I, I think I agree
4: with you. I don't think he'll do there. any worse than he did last season. I think that he was. Uh, average last season behind one of the worst O-lines in the SEC. Not a debate. Texas A&M replaced every starter on their offensive line from 2020 going into 2021, and they played like it. They were bad, and he had a 55% completion percentage behind that line. Mm. Uh, I think that that would be his floor. Um, And it was an
3: offense designed around somebody else, somebody that had different skill sets, and so – uh, I'm with you. And as the season went on, he got a little bit better as he got more comfortable sure. and the, the team was built around him. So you, you you say he's it's not a definite that he's going to start. The other guy, Robbie Ashford, um, what's the ceiling? What's the best case scenario for Robbie, uh, Robbie Ashford's season in 2022?
4: Um, his best case, he's not going to start a whole season. I think we can agree he's not going to start a whole season. Okay. So his best case scenario is that he takes over the starting job mid to late season for any number of reasons. Sure, Uh, I mentioned one in injury to other quarterbacks, Uh, but poor play could be a reason. And he presents a threat that the other two quarterbacks do not in his legs. Now, if you can be a dual threat quarterback in our league and you can run and equally pass at a high rate, uh, it, it gives your offense an advantage. Robbie Ashford offers that statistically I don't think he plays enough games to be like one of the top statistical quarterbacks in our league. You know, the, the yardage numbers and the touchdowns numbers are not going to pop because he's probably not going to get as much starting time as the other two possibly will. But uh, if, if he plays um, his ceiling is, you know uh, I think a, an efficient dual threat quarterback in our league um, about 58 to 62 percent passing okay possibly all right i got right you. i got you, know, you and that's that's with very little information on him because we haven't seen him on the field yet anywhere no well, um, yeah i mean
3: it's either you buy into his upside or you say i need to see more that that's really the, the two different camps for robbie ashford right now yeah. right
4: and and depending on how they call plays for him as well too i mean maybe his completion percentage is a lot higher than that based on the type of pass sure. plays they call for him but you know
3: and, 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 you, and you, you, you saw it look a little bit different when he went in for A-Day. How much does that mm-hmm. matter? I, I I don't know. But, you know, there, there, there's something there. All right, the last transfer I want to ask you about as far as what's the upside for these Auburn Tigers. Morris Joseph, um, probably the least discussed member of this class among Auburn's, I guess, now 10 transfer guys. Mm-hmm. Morris Joseph, the defensive lineman from Memphis. Assumes he will be a backup One year left of eligibility, Mike G, what's the best case scenario? What's the upside in 2022 for Morris Joseph?
4: Yeah, I think Morris Joseph has a chance to be a, a a mid contributor on this team. We're going to rotate a lot of guys on D line. That's, yeah, that has been no matter who our coach has been. That's kind of been like a staple of the Auburn defense is rotate as many guys as possible on defense to try to stay fresh.
3: Yeah, I guess um, Rodney Garner started that, right?
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we have been traditionally fairly deep on, on defensive line. We've had some good linemen come through. I think he gets a chance to contribute. This guy, twenty twenty at Memphis, had eight sacks. Strong. Yeah, playing the defensive line. Now, his, uh, project, his uh, production fell off in 2021, but I think he gets a chance to contribute. Uh, I think he is a on a scale of 1 to 10 in terms of contribution. He's about a 5. He'll get time, and the more he proves when he gets his time, will dictate how much more the coaches decide to trust him. He's got one year left, so uh, he's got to pull out all the stops, man. Uh, Who who do you
3: think – Who do similar situation, different position, obviously, but similar situation. Who has a bigger impact? Morris Joseph on defense this upcoming season Mm -hmm. or somebody like – what Bidarius Knighton did last year?
4: Morris Joseph.
3: Then we take that. That's great. That's a huge addition if that's the case.
4: Yeah, Morris Joseph, I think.
3: Okay, all right. Mike G, our guest. Hey, uh, we've got three players, three players that we all know and love. I want to get Mike G's thoughts on what their upside is in 2022. But first things first, I want to tell you about Built Bar. They have a new tasting Built Bar. They sent us some. It's called Mud Pie. They sent us two. They sent us two. I ate one. I offered it to my wife. Um, she left it on the counter when she went to work, so my mother took advantage my mother said, it's the best one. It's the best Built Bar out there. And I think she's right. It's called Mud Pie. Not the most appetizing name, but it tastes delicious. There's like this cookie crumble on top of it. Low in calories. It's high in protein. Um, you got to check it out. There's a Built Bar version of it. And there is a, um, there's a Puffs version of it. So check it all out. Built.com. Use promo code LOCK15 to get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off. That is at Built.com.
0: Mike G,
3: three guys, then we're going to jump into baseball talk, three guys that um, I want to hear what your thoughts on their upside is. We'll start at receiver, Shedrick Jackson. What's the best case scenario in 2022 for Shedrick Jackson?
4: Okay, so last year, Shedrick was uh, mid-500s in terms of yards. Yep, And he was one of the leading receivers on this team. He had like
3: 40-ish I, catches, is that right?
4: Yeah, I think his upside is about 10 to 15 more catches and about 150 to 200 more yards than he had last season. I think I agree uh, with
3: you on that. Let's see, he had 40 catches for 527 yards.
4: Yep. Can he yep. get to
3: 60 I, catches?
4: mm mm-hmm. uh, He's catching everything right now. The reports out of camp is, is that you know he's increased speed, power and his hands look good and he should be hopefully we've learned how to use him <laughs> properly yeah. uh you know we threw way too many go routes to shed i don't think that's the strength of his game he's not a guy that's going to go up and win 50 50 balls but I don't, I don't like him
3: on outbreaking routes either no but, um i don't know if we really had a quarterback last year that could capitalize on outbreaking routes zach calzada seems to be doing a lot of outbreaking routes and passing drills i love that I absolutely mm-hmm. love that because that was something um, but the defense just didn't have to respect last year. But um, Shedrick Jackson is an outside receiver, but I don't love his catch radius towards the sideline. I just don't. I just don't think yeah. that's his strength here.
4: Yeah, I like him on in-breaking routes and anything over the middle. Uh, he can make catches in traffic and when in the red zone. Hear me out. Now I know it was just Georgia State. Yeah, I know it was just Georgia State. But when T.J. Finley threw him the game-winning touchdown pass he caught it confidently with his hands and an experienced guy gives you that um gives you the confidence that they're going to make the can't miss plays that's if it, we take it for granted sometimes but I, I think with you know with as much experience as he has he has a chance to just be somebody that each one of these quarterbacks can depend on
3: no question let me right? ask you this so, let me ask you so so 527 yards last year what is more likely in your mind Mm -hmm. let's assume he stays healthy what's more likely he drops off to just 400 yards receiving in 2022 or he jumps up to 800 yards receiving in 2022
4: oh that's a really hard question um i could make a case for each one of those Zach. sure uh, just based on the distribution of the football Mm -hmm. but
3: do it Fans
4: are going to hate this question, but I think it's more likely as production falls off, <sighs> okay. but but not because of his play, because yeah. other playmakers make, emerge, and he may get less targets if we're more effective throwing the ball down the field. So, well, I think Coy think... Moore
3: is going to have like eight thousand receiving yards this year, so he's <laughs> got to take some from Shed. I get it. Uh, my next guy, Dylan Brooks. Dylan Brooks, the third. We're all assuming the third edge rusher on this team, redshirt freshman. What's the best case scenario? What's the upside for Dylan Brooks in 2022?
4: SEC Defensive Player of the Year. I think this kid has that kind of talent. Now, you got to remember, okay. this was this was a kid that ESPN rated as the 18th overall player in the class of um, 2021 sure. coming in. Sure. It was a huge sure. pickup to get him from Tennessee, uh, you know, and he was he's just he's one of those guys that has a a chance to come in as a freshman uh hit the scene the same way carl lawson did somebody like carl lawson did uh get after the quarterback and um you know we you remember lawson's freshman year he got you know as the season went along they brought him along Mm -hmm. slowly and surely he got more time and then there he is in the iron bowl and all these big moments making plays i think dylan brooks gives me carl lawson vibes
3: Okay, I'm all in uh, t- That's in terms
4: of in terms of potential. So I like I like his upside, and he's had a whole year of strength and conditioning, which is what he would have up on loss. Lawson had to start as a true freshman. He was kind of a physical freak anyway. Yeah. But uh, Dylan Brooks two, two off-seasons in Brian Hartson's strength and conditioning program. We've been told that players are setting PRs in the weight room right now. Love it. Dylan Brooks is one of those ones that I've heard a lot of really good things about in the weight room, so I'm expecting that when he gets his chance, he makes an impact on these games.
3: Yeah, I mean, and we talked about it during spring. I mean, he didn't look like a retro freshman physically, so a lot to like there. No. All right, last guy that I want to get your thoughts on. Uh, mm-hmm. Nick Brahms. What's the upside? What's the best case scenario for Auburn center for the eighth year in a row, Nick Broms?
4: Uh, best case for Nick is second team All SEC, um, based on experience. Yeah, yeah, I think that this is a guy who is a he's a smart football player. Mm-hmm. Nick is a smart football player, and he's had his struggles over the years. Certainly, uh, when you when we reviewed tape from twenty twenty, going into last season. There were just whole plays where maybe he just could not get hands on anybody. The the offensive linemen, they say it like this. They're like, "You you got as a lineman, you have to find some ribs. You got to find somebody to block. And Brahms made a jump. I thought he made a positive jump from 2020 to
3: 2021.
4: Okay. Now, he's in his last year, again, second year in this strength and conditioning program. And I can't stress enough, this is going to be true for a lot of these linemen. These guys were built to do something different in Gus's system. That Gus had them built a certain way So he you you could say my light, G mobile.
3: you could say that they're just built different
4: <laughs> yeah they're just built different right um he just he's 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 got a chance and, and lineman is such a developmental position uh making huge jumps in strength year over year are really difficult at that position you need a couple years to get your body in the type of shape that it, it needs to be to play what we hope is going to be big boy football this year. So I think that Brahms has a chance to be one of the leaders and a real asset, man. When your center is good, sometimes it goes overlooked, right? He snaps the ball correctly. He makes, you know, a center is like a second quarterback on the field. He makes calls. Sometimes he adjusts the line. He tells people where to line up. Having a good center is really, really important. Nick Brahms in his last year has the playing He's played in big games. Right. He should right. be one year better, one year smarter. If he can stay healthy, I, I you know, I, I'm not saying Nick Brahms is a superstar, but I think that he can be a, a solid, dependable guy that makes second team all SEC. I,
3: I think that that's probably your best answer of the six today, actually. I, I I or the at least the one I agree with the most. I think second team all SEC is a really solid season. And I think I think Nick Brahms would take it. I think a lot of Auburn fans would take it.
4: Yeah, listen. We're if he second team All SEC, we're probably having a much better year on offensive line than we ha- did last year, yeah. and the run game probably looks a lot better. No, I so, I, I
3: think it makes everything come together. There's no question yeah. about it. Um, Mike G, just quick thoughts here. Um, some salaries for assistant coaches were announced yesterday. Eric Kiesow, of course, obviously last year he was not Auburn's offensive coordinator. Mm. Um, he was making 120 grand a year on a one year contract. He is now on a two-year deal worth eight hundred thousand dollars, so that wraps up in twenty twenty-four. Okay. Uh, then, linebackers coach Jeff Schmetting. He will now make a million dollars on a two-year deal, making him the highest-paid assistant coach on Auburn's coaching staff.
4: I'm sorry, Zach. Like five hundred a year, or one million a year?
3: <laughs> I would assume one million a year. Okay. For the wow. DC, yep. All right. All right. And then Zach Etheridge, he was making 315k a year, and then now he will make 600,000 dollars annually with 50,000 dollars added in 2023 for a total of 1.25 million over two years. So mm. whatever you're paying, Zach Etheridge is not enough. So.
4: Right, yeah. I mean, you're talking about a guy who's an ace recruiter. Um, he definitely helps with your player development. He can relate to kids. He's yep. a he's a must hold on to. I think that that jump in salary essentially 100% reflects the importance of the role that he plays in um, what this program is going to be moving forward. And in, in terms of Schmetting and, and, and Kiesel, yep. I mean, listen, both those guys got promotions to coordinator. So the Makes jumps sense. in salary are just, just that man, you get the title, you get to pay.
3: Yeah. No you, more responsibility, bigger job, Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. bigger salary for sure. And just circling back to Zach Etheridge thing, you know, there's all that talk about, you know, Georgia wanted him. Um, You got to pay, you got to pay people to stay. And there's nothing yeah, wrong with that.
4: Listen, and the importance that he plays Zach on the recruiting trail as a final point, can't be understated for a staff that is going to have to make significant jumps in recruiting going into the 2023 cycle. Listen, we gave Brian Harson and staff a pass for uh, the class he essentially inherited coming in because he got hired in December. Right. Right. We gave him a little bit of a pass for this, this, this last class that wasn't terrible, but um, at the end of the day, you know, not being in or around the top 12 in recruiting, especially with your in-division rivals recruiting at a high level. And, you know, from the other side, teams like Kentucky getting equal talent to Auburn is, to me, is unheard of. Now, I get it. They've had some success, and when you look at those recruiting rankings, it's all the SEC, it's almost all of the SEC. It's like 12 out of 14 teams in the top 20 or 30, right? Right. So everybody's recruiting at a high level, but he's gonna have to get a bigger share of the pie. And having a guy like Zach Etheridge on staff going into this next re- recruiting cycle is so crucial because this is supposed to be the best class ever in the history of the state of Alabama coming in this year. If you don't get at least a few of those studs, I'm, it's, uh, it's the reaction is not going to be good. No, it's it's going to play a role.
3: It's going to be bad. It's going to be bad mm-hmm. for sure. All right, before we jump into some baseball talk, Lindsey Crosby of Auburn Daily and Locked On MLB Prospects will join us. Mike G., what all you guys have going on at the War Report?
4: Ah, oh, man, listen, I've said it before. I'll say it again. We're doing our summer interview series. So this week, we got John Samuel Shanker. That goes live Thursday. Next week, we have Zach Calzada joining us at Let's the World to talk about a little football and what his spring has been like. So watch out for that one.
3: Cool. Thank you, buddy.
0: It's Kubota Orange Day. Shop the year's best selection of Kubota tractors, zero-turn mowers, and utility vehicles, including the number one-selling compact tractor in the USA, and now through June 30. Get 0% APR for 84 months, or up to $3,300 off select compact tractors. See the details at KubotaOrangedays.com. Your family, your land, and your livestock deserve equipment they can count on. So find your local dealer today. That's KubotaOrangedays.com.
3: And joining us now here on Locked on Auburn, baseball's Lindsey Crosby, writer at AuburnDaily.com, podcaster with the Locked on MLB Prospects podcast. The Auburn baseball season comes to an end in Omaha in a very non-dramatic game. It was a whooping um, at the hands of the Arkansas Razorbacks. But, man, the, the story following that game is not about that game. It's about what this team did, how they overachieved, how Butch Thompson got his first win, in the College World Series this season against Stanford. I mean, there's so many positives. It's it's hard to, I mean, you hate that it's over, but it, it's hard to be really upset about it.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's something where when you made the postseason, you were playing with house money. Because if you remember, we talked about this before the season, the projection was last in the SEC West. And that yeah. was Butch's peers. That was the, the coach's poll said that. And so this entire time, it's felt like this has to end eventually, right? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, is this the weekend? Uh, Regionals didn't feel like that, but supers, you hear about, oh, well, they're staying 75 minutes away from the ballpark. And they have to face, you know, the best pitcher in the pack. It's like, okay, well, this has to be the end of it, right? And then they make it to Omaha, and it's okay. Well, you know, like, it just kept it finally caught up to them. Yeah. And I think you could tell when you watch the players, just how tired they were. Um, they, I mean, traveling across the country to Corvallis, quick turnaround, coming back to Auburn, getting right. back in the evening, leaving the next morning for, um, for Omaha. But it was, it was a great season, um, by just about every single measure. Um, Pitching came together and gelled really well, especially towards the end of the season. The offense produced really well for most of the season up until kind of the very end here. And even even in the Stanford win, you saw kind of some of that classic Auburn offense come back once they got to the reliever uh, and had a big inning again. And and the good news is there's a lot to build off of, right? So um, I put up a quick piece at Auburn Daily uh, post-game and the very end of the piece, what are we talking about? We're talking about the recruiting class. It's a top 10 recruiting class. We're talking about the the draft eligibles coming up and how there's so many guys that can come back and how we won't know what this team looks like until the fall. But uh, this program is absolutely set up to do this again. This is not a one and done kind of thing. This is now twice in three postseasons that Auburn has made the College World Series. right. Um, And then to use basketball terminology, like we're a blue blood now, baby. This is the the expectation is not making it to Omaha. The expectation now is we compete for a national championship.
3: That's right. That's right. And look, Auburn was among the final six teams. And you, you know, you mentioned this on the show yesterday, Lindsay, all of the pretty much all of the teams that are left, Auburn played and competed with again, you know, this season. I mean, they're, they're in the thick of it. They show that they belong on the national stage and that's going to turn into some guys performing well enough to, you know, get get to hear their names on your show uh, on Locked on MLB Prospects as they work their way up through the minors and get drafted over the next few weeks. I mean, that's going to be a fun, fun process for them. And some of these guys are going to get their name called and they're going to turn it down. And, you know, hopefully the NIL situation at Auburn convinces some folks to stay. It's going to be really fun to see how NIL impacts um the MLB draft. And so that'll be uh that'll be very, very cool. But just seeing- This is
1: the first year that we've really had to deal with that is now in the calculus yeah. for those college juniors and those college seniors who have that extra year of eligibility. Is it's not just go back and get my degree versus uh pros now. It's go back and get my degree and I have NIL where I can offset the cost of attendance and I can earn some money versus going pro. And so yeah. I'm like as a podcast host who's been covering the draft now for, you know, a couple months already, sure. I'm really curious to see, hear from some of these players on and off the record about how NIL is going to change their calculations and how MLB teams are going to have to adjust to that.
3: It's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. And I, and I, I don't think it's going to impact early round guys. I don't think it's impacting Sonny. You know, the the situation around Blake Rambush will be super interesting.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, He's the first guy I thought of in that situation.
3: Yeah, yeah. Then, you know, Mason Barnett... Um, you know, you've told me that scouts really like the potential of some of his stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, it, It'll be fun to see what all that looks like. And, you know, can Auburn's um collective compete with that? But, you know, some of these later round guys, it's like, man, you, you can tell me you can go make 40 grand a year, playing minors or make just as much and still stay in college. Like that's a no brainer for a lot of people. I, I think people would stay at Auburn or any SEC school. So, It'll be, it'll be cool to see that, and it'll be cool to see how Butch Thompson and Tim Hudson and Gabe Gross navigate all that Carl Nunnamaker. I mean, what a great staff. And, I mean, we've talked about this with football and basketball, but, you know, it's always been this way with baseball, just the way the draft works as far as, you know, recruiting guys to come back. And, I mean, Auburn's already added some dudes in the transfer portal to help this baseball team next year. I mean, there's a lot, a lot to like about the projection um, and direction of what this program is doing. And also, I mean, the the interesting thing that we've seen from the success this postseason, and really the success throughout the entire season, it's just kind of swelled up a little bit, is you're seeing more and more fans say, okay, it's time to support Butch Thompson in the facility's arms race. And it's just like, you know, it seems like baseball is getting its funding pulled, more way more than it should, and I just have a feeling that is going to change soon.
1: Yeah, I mean it's something where like look at Oklahoma. Oklahoma just announced that they're entering. I mean, obviously they're entering the SEC coming up soon. They just announced a thirty million dollar renovation to their baseball facilities, and their ballpark was recently renovated like more off like earlier was more recently than ours was.
3: And, and they're, um, they they got a chance to win a national championship this year.
1: Yeah, I mean it's it, it's something where. In, in business, people talk about, like, if you go out and you do a good job, like, you're going to force people to speak, to give you what you're worth and to to help you. And Butch Thompson's gotten to the point where he is doing the work. And what people don't understand, he's addressed us a little bit, but he hates to kind of get into depth with this. Recruiting at Auburn and Alabama, it's a lot tougher compared to our peers in the SEC because yeah. the state does not have – a lottery with scholarships for in-state players. You're dealing with facilities that are a tier below a lot of your competitors. And so the fact that Butch Thompson has a top 10 recruiting class, the fact that Butch Thompson has this team as one of the six teams in the country, the last six teams in the country. It's him. Despite the handicap, it's 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 him.
3: It's Butch Thompson.
1: Right. It 100% is Butch Thompson, his coaching staff and the culture that he has brought to Auburn baseball. Yep. And And let me clarify up front before I say this. I have not heard a single thing that makes me think that this would happen. But I want money to go to baseball so that we don't even have to think about the possibility of losing Butch Thompson.
3: Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm there with you, man. I'm there with you. I I don't get the vibe that that's happening. But, you know, I mean, we saw this with Bruce Pearl during the season of like, don't, don't let it get to that point. Just do it. Just take care of the people that are winning, and I mean, they sold out season tickets going into this season. Um, They will sell. They will find a way to sell more next season. I mean, there's no question about it. And uh, I I think it's going to be. I think tickets in Plainsman Park will become more and more rare to come by um, going into next year because of what Butch Thompson's building, because of what these kids have done. And you know when everybody counted them out, they kept finding ways to to pop back and and win in the toughest uh, in the toughest conference in college baseball. So, what an incredible run! Um, if Sonny Deshara is done playing baseball at Auburn, thank you so much, Sonny. Thank you so much, our sweet and beautiful thick king, uh, for everything that uh, that you've done uh, in your short time here at Auburn.
1: Quick question on that note: and I think you tweeted this the other day. If he is done. Where does he rank in the one and Duns in Auburn history?
3: I will do a full show on that. I'll do that one with you. Okay, deal. I'll do yeah, that one with it's, you.
1: It's got to be up there. I it think absolutely it's, I does. think
3: it's top five, which, when I tweeted it out, felt a little ridiculous. but one and duns kind of a basketball thing until lately. Like there's not a whole lot of football one and duns other than like Cam and Rudy Johnson. But I think you can make the case that Sonny's a top five one-and-done player in Auburn history, which is super, super fun and exciting to talk about. So, um, Lindsey, do you have anything else before we wrap this up?
1: Just that um, it was a great season. Uh, I enjoyed getting to cover this team from beginning to end. I was there for um, the opening press conference before the first game. I was there for fall ball. Uh, I'm excited to be there all through the summer and fall this year and to bring ev- everything to you guys next year.
3: Yep, yep. Lindsay, you did a great job covering it for Auburn Daily. Um, best baseball coverage out there, and Lindsay will continue to do that on the recruiting front as well as fall ball and, and all that too. So how can people find you, hear you, all that good stuff, buddy?
1: I'm on Twitter at Crosby Baseball. My Auburn baseball writing is at AuburnDaily.com. Uh, my show, Locked on MLB Prospects, is available where to you get your podcasts and on YouTube. You can find it on Twitter at Locked on Farm And the merch, AUShirts.com. Partnership with the players. That money goes to support our baseball players.
3: That's right. That's right. AUShirts.com. And they launched some shirts last night, baseball-themed shirts last night. So be sure to check that out. AUShirts.com. On tomorrow's show, we talk Cruton. It's a Cruton Thursday with Sports Illustrated's John Garcia. Looking forward to chatting with him. That'll be right here on Locked on Auburn. See you then.
0: At Highland, we're all about celebrating little wins
1: and little ways to innovate digital processes. There's no customer pain point too
0: small for us to help with.